Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, I'm Dr. Doreen Downing. And what I love about doing this podcast is that I get to interview amazing people who have such wonderful stories about uh, struggle and about finding their voice. And oftentimes it's early in life because we come into this environment called life and we're surrounded by families, by parents who sometimes don't really mirror back to us the kind of brilliance that we are gifted with as soon as we enter into this world. Today, I get to interview, and you'll have to tell me how to pronounce your last name, Ray. Uh, Bercier. Ray Bercier. Isn't that wonderful? And is that a French name? It is, yes. Mm -hmm. And you're from Canada. I am, Northern Ontario. So welcome today. And let me just tell the audience a little bit about you that you gave me some information. From the age of five and for the next 20 plus years, Ray struggled through severe anxiety and depression before starting his journey of overcoming his struggles. And Ray is now a father, an author, a podcaster, and a mentor that has Got to be a story, Ray. I can't wait to get into the details here. His goal is to help transform the lives and impact the worlds of, um, you say, 11 million people. That's what you, you have a goal, 11 million people. Oh, well, with podcasting and authoring and, you know, teaching children, I just feel like the ripples are going to be going out and out. So let me finish this up. He primarily works with parents or soon to be parents. Captivate featured his podcast from surviving to thriving only six weeks after launching. Um, that's, that's, um, you just must have uh, stepped into the world of possibility and the potential within just exploded is what it feels like, but that's for later in our podcast. <laughs> Hello, Ray. Hi, I'm honored and grateful to be here. Thank you for allowing me to share space with you. Yes. Well, as I mentioned in the beginning today, oftentimes we arrive into the world and it's not the best of circumstances. And I think that has something to do with your early experience in trying to find your voice. Can we start there? Sure. It's the reason I'm here. My journey started at five years old when I first experienced my first PTSD moment. Um, It was a really rough time. Um, From then on, by the age of eight, I had experienced more trauma within the family, uh, more abuse, more struggles. And my journey was cemented at that point uh, for the next 20 some years. Uh, So it was a long, tough time of just living in survival mode, struggling to the next day, hoping things would get better. And from there, it took a SWAT team busting down the wrong apartment door to really wake me up at age of 25, to be able to realize that I was sick and tired of going through these struggles 
always waiting for change to come, change never coming, and that something had to happen in order to be able to get more out of this life. And that's the moment that things really started to change. Great. Well, until we get to that moment, I want listeners to understand a little bit more. You mentioned five. What what exactly did you experience at five? So at five years old, um, there was an incident at my grandfather's camp. Um, my mother and my father, it was my grandfather's or my father's side of the family. We would always, you know, congregate to the camp during the summers to, you know, hang out, you know, go swimming and that stuff. Um, there was an incident there where my mother caused a scene. Um, and basically from that point on, um, we left that camp and my family was never the same. Uh, my father got exiled from his family because he stuck by my mother. Um, and there was a lot of struggles, uh, a lot of really bad things just happened from there. Um, a lot of hatred, a lot of, uh, I don't like to say abuse, but there was a lot of you know problems going on from there. Um, I felt I was treated differently after that. Um, at eight years old, kind of like the one incident that really solidified it all uh, was my cousin's birthday. And he had about you know six or seven other boys over there. And I was there and I found out while I was there that they were having a sleepover and I was, I wasn't allowed. So I went to ask my aunt who is aunt by marriage, not through the family, why I wasn't allowed sleeping over. And basically her hatred for my mother rolled into me. And that's why I wasn't allowed to stay over. So I left, you know, crying, walked home 10, 20, 10, 15 minutes, uh, nothing but tears, talked, told my mother this. and. She called up my aunt and my aunt came over. Basically, they got into pushing match. My uncle came over. He almost got to blows with my father. So it just goes to show you that throughout the family, I had a lot of struggles, you know, having to deal with both sides of the family, trying to be able to overcome what was going on. I felt a lot of responsibility to it, even though I know at this point it wasn't my fault. But at that point, I felt I was kind of stuck in the middle, you know, being friendly fire. Um, and this was going on as long as everything else going into my life, you know, abuse at school from the hands of other kids, teachers, and a lot of other different things. So it was it was a rough time. It was just basically gain, you know, survival mode every single day. Yeah, there's uh, that what you referred to. What what did your mother do at that camp? So they were I can remember this clear, you know, visually, like I can you know, recall everything. Um, the camp had, you know, we used a generator because it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, the TV only had two stations because it was just kind of like rabbit ears. And they were the, the ladies were inside cooking because, you know, being from a French family, that's what kind of the ladies did. Um, my mother decided to put on a TV show, um, that she wanted to watch. Um, the, the gentleman came in, you know, after spending time outside and they wanted to watch the baseball game. And my mother switched it back to what they were watching and it just kind of boiled over from there. Right. So it, it was kind of a boundary stepping issue, which my mother did struggle with for much of her life. Um, and I found out, out, unfortunately, the hard way later on um, that she struggled with uh, BPD, borderline personality disorder. But at that time, we didn't know. And it really makes a lot of sense when you look back at the struggles that she had in her life. Um, she struggled with mental health issues. Um, but borderline personality disorder, we didn't know anything about it back then. So 
as I found that out, you know, I started to really kind of put the pieces together. I'm like, it makes a lot of sense kind of what happened with her, the relationships she had in her life. Isn't that something that that incident, as you described, it feels so innocu- innocuous and that, you know, in some ways it feels like that's pretty bold. That's pretty courageous to to uh, stand up for what you want as a woman in that society or that culture at that moment or whatever the time of life that was for for her. But what came out of that is what I hear you saying was that there was this uh, black mark on her, on, on your family, and you became kind of scapegoats or something. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there was no weirder feeling than you know, having Christmas with you know your mom and dad in the morning, and then an hour later going over to your grandmother's and having Christmas with them without you know your parents with you. Um, it just, it, I really struggled with it. Um, there was a lot of, you know, words that were said that I would overhear throughout my life at that point. Um, a lot of things I would take personally, which, uh, you know, as a little kid, you don't really know any better. Um, but yeah, it, it was really a struggle for someone who's just coming into this world mm-hmm. and being kind of thrown into this toxic environment mm-hmm. um, and not being able to understand what's going on and mm-hmm. why it evolves around you. Yeah, I think you've just said a couple of things that are really, really important, being young and not knowing, not understanding, because we don't, our brains aren't, uh, we aren't grown up yet. We don't understand the world and all we are is in this little world called family. And it has the word you just used also is toxic. And we don't know that it's toxic, yet the toxins are uh, taking their toll early on on our development because we're you know, we're like little plants growing and we need the nourishment and the, oh, you're wonderful. And, you know, the kind of the applause, you might say, to and the mirroring back of people loving us. And you were another thing you just said a little bit ago was about being that in that middle, uh, being in the middle of that conflict. And it just feels like the sky wasn't uh, clear for you. There was just a lot of turmoil. Uh, thank you for being willing to express it so uh, clearly. And whew, any before we go into what happened at 25, you referred to some knock on the door, but any like, yeah, bullying through probably high school, trying to you know, trying to hide yourself, but find yourself at the same time. Yeah. I kept trying to fit in. Um, my life felt pretty much out of control, you know, from the earliest I can remember. Right. Um, I never felt that safe at home. I never felt safe at school, never felt safe walking around town. Um, just trying to find myself, trying to find, to fit in with others because, um, after that incident, my mother started begun her journey down her mental health struggles. Um, she would end up in the hospital a number of times. Uh, my father, who was going through his own struggles, um, he wasn't there for my mother the way that you know a spouse should be in theory. Um, so my mother relied on me for her support. And I mean, six-year-old me, seven-year-old me, that's a lot to take on. Um, and when I wasn't able to provide her the support that she needed, it really ate away at me because she would end up in the hospital. Um, and I would feel that, you know, I wasn't enough and that would come out in my school. Um, I was never really a good student. I never put any time and effort into schoolwork. I mean, I'm the person who skated by with 50% grades and everything. 
and there was no no extra effort given. And none of the teachers would ever really care to find out what's going on, never really wanted to help me. Um, they always just kind of labeled me as a troublemaker, constantly getting picked on and abused by other kids. And it was really just trying to connect with people in maybe the wrong ways, but no one ever kind of went out of their way. So I was kind of like one of those kids who were kind of forgotten, left to be, you know, stranded, left behind, so to speak. Mm, very very powerful descriptions and the it gives a good background to your the next part of your story i'm sure that obviously who you are now <laughs> there's been a journey so what happened what was the wake up so after going through a lot of these struggles um my mother in and out of the hospital you know for years um i decided that you know at the age of 25 after just kind of meandering through life that I wanted to go, you know, give it one more shot, go back to school. Um, I always had a passion for environmental science. Originally I was in college, which they never, no one ever believed I would be able to do that. And I dropped out back in, you know, when I was 21 because of my mother been taking ill. So I decided you know, I want to make one last ditch effort to try and do something because I was tired of everything. And I started college and I was doing pretty good. And I was living in this basement that had two separate apartments. And one evening while I was studying for two critical exams the next morning, I'm just sitting on my couch, studying away. All of a sudden I hear what sounds like elephants coming down the stairs at, you know, in the hallway. And I'm like, it's a little bit weird. And then seconds later, all I see is the door swinging wide open and six SWAT team members with the razors pointed directly in my eyes, coming in, screaming in my ears, telling me to get down on the effing ground. And I'm just absolutely in shock. I'm like, what is going on? So they throw me down on the ground, jam their knee into my back. Um, and what felt like hours was probably about 10 minutes. I found out that you know they hit the wrong apartment. They were after my neighbor, who was a drug dealer. And so they demolished my apartment looking for him. And then when they realized you know that they hit the wrong place, they're like, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't sleep that night. And uh, it was just kind of more of like what I felt was the universe telling me that, you know, I don't deserve anything better. You know, this is what I always get, you know, and it just, it was a really rough time for me. It really made my anxiety, depression, you know, the worst it's ever been. And I failed the exams the next morning. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> but yeah, it took a couple of weeks for me to just kind of sit and stew in that. And then I realized that there was like a little spark that came into me that I never had before. And I like to use it kind of like uh, an analogy, like a fish perspective, because again, my background is environmental science. So a fish, you know, they spend their entire life in the water. They only ever see everything from one perspective until the one day while swimming along, a fish comes along, sees something in the water, takes a bite at it, and then gets yanked out of the water. And then they're open their eyes to a whole new perspective, a whole new world that they never knew existed because they spent their entire life swimming in water. And for me, it was kind of like that moment where it's like, I spent my entire life swimming in a sea of garbage. And this was just yet more garbage on the pile. But there was that clarity in that where I finally saw that, you know what, I don't deserve this. I want better than this. And nothing's going to stop me from getting through this, overcoming this, because I already know what failing feels like. I want to see what happens if I don't stop pushing. 
So that was kind of like my fish out of water moment. Oh, yes. Well, you must have naturally picked environmental science for a reason. You know, I know that when we first started our conversation today, I I didn't remember that that was what you do. And I started talking about we come into an environment. <laughs> and so this all fits. It feels like, uh, yes, something about you being in a certain kind of environment and how that affects you. And yet, which I believe in, which I'm sure you do too, there's something inside each one of us, a spark. And I think that whatever you studied in environmental science woke up that thought that you've just shared with us, that you've been in a certain kind of environment, but there are other environments. We just need to pop out. I have a, a quick story about that too. My mom was depressed and we lived with my grandmother and inside the house, it was dark and depressing. <laughs> and my grandmother on the outside uh, had uh, gardens, flowers, gladiolas, roses, and there were birds. And so that sense of those two environments, as you just described them, there's the one inside the house and the one in the garden. And I, I had that sense, you know, that there's something beautiful just on the other side of the door. <laughs> Where am I going to stay? Where am I going to spend my life? And how am I going to help people go from darkness to the garden? So I, I think you and I have similar kind of uh, desire for people to be the more that they are. So talk a little bit more about then your, your journey coming out and saying, oh, world hello <laughs> and whole new world shining shimmering splendid is what uh you know one of the disney movies talks about yeah definitely it uh, it was quite the journey it took a long time um it wasn't obviously a race it wasn't you know rome wasn't built in a day um but yeah i started to realize that you know over time you know we came into this world you know in a, as a pristine environment you know, our ecosystem was a blank slate. And the first people to kind of set foot within our ecosystem were our parents. And they taught us, you know, through their actions, their inactions, you know, through their words. And we learned all of this through osmosis. And whether it was right or wrong doesn't mean anything, but we learned what they thought was best for us. And over time, you know, more people kind of threw their, you know, their takes in on it. And that really started to build up kind of the operating system that we run through life. And for me, my operating system was like, I always like to refer a sea of garbage. You know, how can you see outside of the water if you never are pulled out of it? And for me, it was just nothing but garbage. So as I got that clarity, I started to see that there was more there that I wanted to aim for more. So I went ahead and I graduated uh, college, which was, you know, amazing to begin with because no one never thought I would do that. But I wanted to take it further. So I ended up going to university. So I ended up completing my bachelor's in environmental science, which was the biggest achievement of my life. It was one of those things where it was like a big, you know, F you for lack of better terms to the people who said, you know, I would never amount to anything. The people who just kind of gave up on me, never bothered. And it was, it was a great feeling being able to achieve such an amazing thing. But I realized afterwards that it was, it left me empty and I couldn't understand why. And eventually I would find out that I put so much emphasis on the result that I didn't pay attention to the journey because our life has only ever lived in the journey. And when you get to a destination, there's always going to be another destination, right? 
So I put so much attachment to that destination. After that, it was just like, now what? It left me wanting more. It left me puzzled as to why I feel so empty inside. And a lot of it, I thought, had to do with that garbage that I was swimming in. And it really was because a lot of the expectations that I learned as a kid, learned through growing up, was that, you know, if you get this, then you get that. You know, if you reach this pinnacle, then you can be happy. If you can achieve this goal, you, then you can be happy. When that's the completely wrong way to approach life, you have to be able to give yourself that satisfaction of, along the journey, being able to enjoy the journey rather than focus on the destination, because the destination will always be like a moving goalpost. The only place we ever have our life is in the journey. So being able to grow and feel the, the satisfaction, feel the joy and the happiness in the growth, that can happen every single day. You don't have to put that off until one day. Yes. And your explanation of it and the way that you're talking about it, I think, is way deeper than just the quote that we often see uh, online. You know, life is about the journey, not the destination. But the way you just explained it in your own experience, I think, really makes it come alive and more believable. Thank you. No problem. And again, it, it was a really long journey because I was still struggling with a lot. You know, by the time I finished, you know, university, you know, my marriage that I was in, it was, we were really struggling. It was a toxic marriage, right? You know, we, we had a lot of problems. And by this time, you know, I, we found out that we were conceiving and it was a really rough time, both for my wife and I. And there was one February, cold Canadian February winter day where I had just finished university and I just finished work. So I was gone all day and it was like 9 p.m. at night. I go to start my car in like minus 40 degrees Celsius and it just barely started. And I just sat there and I'm like, I'm going home to the same toxicity that I felt like I had lived through my entire life. And I didn't want that for my child. You know, I told myself when I was a kid that I didn't want, if I was ever to bring a kid into this world, I wouldn't want them to go through what I went through. And no matter how much, you know, growing and healing I did to that point in my life, there was still a lot that I needed to do. And on that, you know, February evening is when I really kind of took my healing journey to the next step. And I realized that, you know what, it's up to me to be able to overcome and heal through the garbage that I've been going through. So that way I can protect her from not being able to be subjected to the same type of toxicity that I always grew up and lived through. Oh, the spirit of protection and guidance and mentoring feels like it's just uh, been woken up in that moment. And it's interesting how children motivate us to uh, go uh, further in what we can offer them. So in moving forward then and whatever, however you've become the coach, you know, I see in the background there, Empowered. Empower up. Empower yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. So, after I made it through my journey, it's a really interesting story where I decided I wanted to help people. You know, I have always had a passion throughout my entire life helping others. You know, I helped my mother, and that really started with her throughout my entire childhood. And I've always wanted to be able to assist others, but I never knew how. And after I finally made it through all my garbage, and I finally made it through, you know, the anxiety, depression, the low self esteem, you know, self-worth, self-validation. I wanted to give back because I knew there were others out there like me who had gone through their life swimming in that sea of garbage and may, may not have had the support that they needed 
when they were kids or when they were teens mm -hmm. that I needed. So I decided that you know the best way to do it was to go through, I wanted to make a webcomic based on kind of anxiety and depression. So I came up with a story and characters and everything. It was great. The biggest problem was that I couldn't draw my way out of a wet paper bag. I had zero artistic skills, never put any effort into it. And I like to joke that I failed finger painting in kindergarten. That's how bad my skills were. So I was really upset as I went through this because my art skill wasn't matching the story that I wanted to tell to be able to help others. And after 29 strips of the comic, I decided to just give up on it. But the important lesson here that I learned and I want to share is that it doesn't matter if you give up on something and pivot, because what you don't give up on is the dream and the dream of helping others. And that's what I never gave up on. Just because the webcomic wasn't working for me, I decided I wanted to do something different. And that's where well, my program came from. That's where my podcast came from. Everything that I'm doing now is because I didn't give up on the dream. It doesn't mean you can't give up on something that's not working, especially when it comes to you know, relationships. If you're in a bad relationship, if you're in an abusive relationship, there's nothing wrong with getting out. You're not giving up on the relationship. What you're not giving up on is the dream of having a relationship that provides you what you need. So that's where all this came from. It all started from you know a really horrible art-filled webcomic that I drew. Well, uh, that to me is what you've just said is uh, the most powerful message that I think uh, people can take with a uh, with you today or with them, with us, with me. I'm taking it also is uh, the image of you. Uh, falling apart, but that you still had, you, you mentioned to me, not here today, but I read it, uh, the North star mm -hmm. and that sense of what you just described is the dream is the North star. And there's, it feels like there's there in you, there's this, um, I don't know, like radar radar towards that connects you to your North star and you just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. And what you just said a few seconds ago to people who are listening is that's where, that's where the power, that's where the magic is. And uh, as we're coming to a close today, I want to be able to for sure give you some airtime to, <laughs> Tell people how to get a hold of you, what anything your services are, and uh, what what more they can get from you. Sure. So um, my podcast is available on Apple and Spotify. That's From Surviving to Thriving for Parents. Um, anyone can access that, be able to get the support that they need um, along their journey. And you know, I want to take a quick moment. Your show is absolutely amazing, and the fact that what you do here is so impactful to others. You know, I want to thank you for that. I can also be reached on Instagram at my empower up Twitter empower up um, and also on Facebook at my empower up. So those are the places where you can reach out to me. If you want support along your journey, uh, I'm here to help any parent, you know, I, I focus mainly on parents with kids, either zero to 12, uh, but really everything I do to serve others, you know, that's my main goal in life is to be able to serve others. And that's why my goal is to serve, you know, 11 million people because if you aim for the moon and miss, you still find yourself amongst the stars. And the more impact that I can make in this world by reaching closer to 11 million people through you know, the different circles everyone belongs to, the better this world will be and the better this world will be for my daughter. Oh, lovely. Uh, 
since this podcast that I do is about finding your voice, I think when I look back on our conversation today, that it is a journey to find your voice, but your voice is really based on who you are. (laughs) And then it's about once you find who you are and you become motivated then to speak up about it. And that feels like what you're what you've done today on my my podcast. Thank you so much, Ray. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and will return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.